This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Welcome back to a episode of the CW. We have Reed back, you guys. So excited. You we guys were great you. last week. You guys were great last week. I listened. Thank you. Thank you. We got to nerd out about the Arrowverse while you were gone. So happy about that. I had no idea what you guys were talking about, but I loved it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But speaking of like the Arrowverse, so I saw that. The Flash is filming its finale. Superman and Lois is filming its finale, which means we are on target for finales to start rolling out as we move into the summer. It looks like, though, only about four shows are actually going to go off in May. Everything else is going to go off in June or July. So that's uh, May 10th is the Naomi finale, which means Superman and Lois fans, we're going to miss an episode because she's getting a back-to-back two-hour block to finish up this season one, which I guess is exciting for the Naomi fans. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, here we are again, we're just anticipating another Superman and Lois finale or a uh, hiatus, but for the finale of Naomi, I get it. Uh, the show's had a bit of a like starty stop run, like Superman and Lois, but it, it's, it's nice that it gets to buy that with the two hour finale, even if it means it's run ends a little sooner. True, true. And then we'll get our show back. Again, and hopefully that'll be like the end of the Superman and Lois um, episodes going on hiatus. I want to actually be able to dive into season two without any more interruptions. So fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. Um, Then on May 23rd, All-American season four and All-American Homecoming will have their finales, which means I'm probably crying on that Monday, um, depending on how the stories end. It's their college era. So I don't know, like, will there be any cast shakeups with All-American since, you know, they're going to start heading into their seniority with season five. And then All-American Homecoming, will Simone choose Damon? Or Jordan, or is that even a question I should be asking? Are we like, is that just a ship thing and I should let it ride? I don't know. Um, we'll find out. We will find out. Like, Crystal, if you're listening, Crystal's one of our coworkers. <laughs> I want all good things for Jordan and Simone, but I will take a little slice of that diamond pie. I will just give me something at the end of the finale. Uh, and then so... And then May 26th is Legacy's season four finale, which y'all know we know nothing about that show, but like more power to y'all when it comes to this finale. Exactly, exactly. Hopefully it's spectacular. I'm sure it will be. See, confidence. Love that. (laughs) And then heading into June, June 10th is the Charm season four finale. Uh, and then June 15th is the Kung Fu season two finale. I'm running through these real quickly because these are two shows we also don't watch. Actually, no, Michael, you watch Kung Fu. So we'll see about your thoughts at some point. Definitely. It feels, it feels like it's come around quick. I know June's not here yet, but to be talking about the finale when it premiered so recently, like, I think that's one of the only uninterrupted runs we've had. So well done, Kung Fu. <laughs> Oh, and they get a season three. So no one is hanging on the edge of their seat wondering if they have to wait. It's what they deserve. Exactly. Uh, And then June 21st is the Superman and Lois season two finale, Mm -hmm. which I'm 
not ready to say goodbye to season two, even though we've waited, it's been so, so long, but I really love this season. So yeah, me too. Excited for it. But it is, on the other hand of Kung Fu, while Kung Fu's finale feels like it's come around quickly, Superman and Oasis still feels a while off, considering we only have, what, five episodes of the season left. So we are anticipating more hiatus. Oh. Thumbs down. <laughs> Thumbs down. <laughs> exactly. God, okay. But you know what? We're going to get to this finish line. It's coming June 21st. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. And then on June 23rd is the Walker season two uh, finale. And June 29th is the Flash season eight finale. Michael, our thoughts could be mixed again, depending on how this season ends. It's a running trajectory here. I mean, if it gets remotely positive, that's it's a win. I mean, we've been mixed the whole way through, but knowing the Flash, it'll be a mixed bag when it goes out. But June 29th's not here yet. It's, it's got time to uh, build itself up and hopefully buy that with grace. I know. Fingers crossed. Get to Iris's time sickness, please. (laughs) 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 And then, okay, so the last date is July 31st, and that is the tentative date for Riverdale season six's finale. We'll see if they get moved into August for some reason. Um, If there's a slow horse in the race, it's Riverdale, y'all. It just truly is. Um, We're going to crawl to this season six um, ending and I don't want to say that's okay but it's going to have to be because they got a season 7 so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> I will say that um, if my calculations are correct Dynasty season 5 might have its finale on July 29th Ooh, but okay. you never know with the CW if they have like preemptions or a 2 hour episode you never know okay okay but then that means we need to make some noise though when their finale rolls around dynasty i'm talking about i mean everybody's yeah. already gonna have its own noise dynasty deserves its loudness as well Absolutely. yeah yes 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 but with this with those shows going on finale that means we're headed into the summer schedule um mostly with acquisitions but you know we have a new we have a new show coming at the end of may on may 31st tom swift We'll have its series premiere, and I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see the Nancy Drews expand. Me too. I feel like uh, Nancy Drews proven themselves. The fans, uh, they re- they got their show renewed. Uh, they were loud and they were vocal, and this show's had a bit of buzz. None of which has come from the CW because I feel like there hasn't been enough promo for that. But I've heard quite a bit of buzz about this show, so I'm excited to check it out and hope it performs well. I mean, we don't even have a trailer. Hmm which is mind-boggling, but I'm going to be watching. Trailer or not. <laughs> same, same. I want trailer and then I want an updated poster. Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not that messy one. No, 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 no. Um, and then June 2nd, Coroner, uh, season four premiere. Um, June 6th is when Roswell, New Mexico, season four will premiere. That should be interesting. I have no idea what they're doing for season four beyond... Um, Someone is looking for Liz and she also happens to be an alien. Um, so don't know where looking for Liz is an alien. Well, yes. Liz is an alien. No, Liz is not an alien. No, that would be an interesting plot (laughs) twist. (laughs) Um, no, I think, I think the way it's going to go is I know they brought Sherry Appleby back. Mm -hmm. Um, and she is, she's someone who knows Liz and there's an alien. She comes across, I believe in Mexico. Um, and somehow that is going to get all connected back to Liz or Teco. So I'm excited to see Janine Mason be a boss on her show once again. 
um, and to get into some shenanigans in science stuff. I have no idea what's happening on that show much of the time, <laughs> but I enjoy her acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, also on June 6th is the In the Dark season four premiere. Uh, so yay read, I guess, for you, perhaps. I guess I don't, I, hmm, I don't remember what happened in the season three finale. <laughs> so I don't know what they're doing in season four. I think Murphy was in jail or did she break out? I don't know. She did break out of jail, which is like a blind woman breaking out of jail and no one catching her is I think great television. But <laughs> that being said, I don't know what's happening in season four. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it'll be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a surprise for everybody. Um, and then June 22nd, Wellington Paranormal season three premieres, June 30th, Devils season two makes its premiere. And on July 6th, Mysteries, Deco Mysteries Decoded comes for its season two. And that is what the summer schedule is looking like. No, we don't have news about Stargirl's premiere date, unfortunately. No, I was just about to say I'm very unhappy with that list for that exact reason. I hope they're still hoping to surprise us and put it on when Superman at Lois finishes its run. Fingers crossed for Stargirl, because I feel like it's probably the most anticipated summer show or a, a returning summer show. And it's a shame that it's not there, but we'll, we'll keep the positive thoughts going. <laughs> yes, positivity and manifestation. I mean, they finished filming, so I don't know what's up. Mm, exactly. Uh, so like, hopefully they just slot in. Um, soon or at least like let us know i don't know cw get with it trailer yes oh my God, that'd be so nice i want to see everyone freak out online <laughs> all right so speaking of like shows uh the winchesters which uh spinoff that we're i guess tentatively here for lukewarm uh, lukewarm yeah. Okay, yeah, I like that. Lukewarm, I think that's fair. I think that's a, a <laughs> decent. Um, but Jensen Ackles was recently interviewed, and he was talking about how they didn't know at first how they were going to do a spinoff for the, uh, the Winchester's. And I was like, wait a second, we went in blind. We had no game plan. <laughs> like, I was alarmed. I love the honesty because there are so many showrunners that will say like, oh, we had a plan. I won't name names, but I think you both know who I'm referring to, <laughs> Cough, Riverdale Cough. <laughs> I just love the honesty of like, we had no idea what we were doing. Like, awesome. Thank you for admitting that. And I'm proud of you for finding your way. <laughs> yes. it, it puts them on par with all of us because I feel like when the spinoff was announced, everybody was like, how do you do that? I don't know what this is going to look like. And clearly we weren't the only ones because the creative team behind that didn't know it either. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, for those of us on the outside looking in, it's not only funny, but it also intrigued me. I was like, well, how are you going to connect the dots then? If y'all had this, like he sat down with Robbie Thompson, one of the writers, and was like, so how do we do this? And they figured it out, but it also means we're changing canon, but somehow have to fix canon at some point in the show. That'll be an interesting arc to follow, especially with Supernatural fans weighing in on how that fix happens. Mm, that alone makes me want to watch it because I feel like it, it could be chaotic and we like chaos. Yes, we do like chaos. I think and it's I really funny that they were like, we didn't know what to do. So it makes it seem like the concept for like, let's just spin off Supernatural came before they were like, oh, we have this idea for a spinoff. <laughs> it's just so funny that it seems like chicken or egg. It was who knows which one came first. <laughs> 
it's gonna make for an interesting ride that's for sure i mean like we're still lukewarm but the fact that the temperature is rising a little bit on the stove for us simply because he was like jk we're having fun <laughs> like i just we it's gonna be an interesting situation definitely he's got more seer written all over it but you, i don't know if it's for the right reasons but we'll find out True, true. But speaking of must-see, read Melrose Place in Dynasty Reunion happening. I'm so excited. Like, you have no idea. Okay, so Daphne Zuniga is going to guest star in Dynasty, which will reunite her with her Melrose Place uh, co-star and former boyfriend on screen, I think. I don't know their real-life dating history. But Grant's show is in um dynasty obviously as blake carrington and once upon a time they played jake and joe on Mara's place they were a couple and of course it was a complicated relationship and she's going to be playing sonia jackson who is a woman from blake's past obviously she's stirring up some drama and i just think it's so fitting that she's from his past because it's like she is from his past in real life too so it's so exciting it's like a little nod I'm yeah. expect, expecting Easter eggs. Like anybody who's watched both shows is probably going to be like screaming online about like, oh my God, the thing that she referenced or like, oh, that's like a look about like outfit from something she wore in the show. Like it's going to be great. Oh, I'm so excited. Her episode airs on April 29th, which is a week after their preemption. Um, so this week from the episode, our episode airing, <laughs> it'll be on this week. I'm so excited. Um, I know it's going to be exciting for like the 5% of Dynasty fans that are also Melrose Place fans. Because I feel like a lot of the fans are here from Victorious to follow Liz. But it'll be exciting. And hopefully it'll bring some like OG fans back. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. But this will be the third Melrose Place reunion on Dynasty after Kelly Rutherford. She was in like the later seasons of Melrose Place. I don't know how much she overlapped with Grant Show. And Laura Layton, who was a big uh character on Miller's place but she didn't have any scenes with grant show which is kind of a bummer so this is like the biggest Melrose place reunion and i've been kind of i've just been waiting for this since i started watching the show in season two i was like there's so many opportunities for like Melrose place stars to come on and i actually like wanted daphne zuniga to play alexis when they were recasting her when nicola sheridan left i was like oh that would be so cool and oh my god i'm just glad that it's happening because I'm wondering how long they've had this in the works. Like, were they trying to get Melrose Place stars or did this role come up and they were just like, oh, she'd be great for it. So I'm interested to see if they bring any more on, if this will be, don't want to put this out there, the final season or if season six will be the final season, if they'll bring more people from the past. I hope so. Like, that was so fun. I also feel like if this were on a different network, that they'd be milking the mess out of this right now. They'd be TV spots, like, um, in interviews. Hopefully, though, like, let me not say that they don't have it in the works for next week. Maybe they do. Like, knowing CW's track record, probably not. But, like, we can hope. I'd love it if there were some interviews that they dropped around the way along before the uh, episode airs. I hope so, because they did not tease her in the episode preview for the 20, the new episode on the 29th, which I was disappointed about. I don't even remember what happened in the teaser, but we know CW's teasers are often very thin. Yeah. They don't tell you much. Okay. Well, get better at that CW, <laughs> please. 
but this uh, is also uh like um one tree hill fans will recognize daphne zuniga as brooke's mom so that's a oh yeah a cw homecoming for her see there's so many connections why aren't we milking it cw <laughs> <laughs> i should do a whole episode on like the six degrees of dynasty because there are so many like connections in the cast to like past tv i think that would be fun okay you know what add it to the list because that's exciting <laughs> yeah dynasty <laughs> fans find us on youtube and twitter and leave us a champagne emoji if you want that to happen yes, yes. also put hashtag renew dynasty in yeah. the comment yeah that's a must. after every tweet <laughs> yes every tweet every comment do it y'all we're on the hashtag renew dynasty ride right now yeah even if it's not the tweet's not about dynasty just you know <laughs> why not let them know um so this is going to be a hop away from from dynasty and into a period piece um well, so walker independence has finished filming so yay to them mm-hmm. for their pilot being done um I will say watching like even just like the bits and pieces come up on like Twitter and Instagram, I'm, you know, more than low-key excited. I'm very, very interested. Yeah, I feel like I've been getting more curious as the time's gone on. I know it's kind of like a journey for us. We weren't sure what to make of it at the start. We got more intrigued as the cast became more tangible. And I... It's been a quick journey. I know they only had to film one episode, but it just feels like it's happened and has been done very quickly. But now that it is finished and we know so much about it, I'm very intrigued by its concept, but also just more by its cast. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. I think it's got more potential now than it did on paper. And I hope that translates into the pilot episode. Fingers crossed. And after seeing the photos from set that, went around when they finished filming i really i want to see a teaser i want to see how all that like the covered wagons how that all (laughs) ends up looking on camera same same i like i'm picturing dustiness beautiful dusty gowns like a shot of the um the saloon where like the i guess not cabaret i don't remember what they're called but the ladies who do the can cans with the skirts Yes, I think she, yeah, you're right. She is a burlesque dancer. You're right. Uh, (laughs) I I know they cast someone who's both a um, a federal agent and a burlesque dancer undercover. But um, yeah, I just think it's, out of all the pilots, obviously Gotham Knights is at the top uh, for us, but Walker Independence, you know, it's still the second place spot. Winchesters, you have some work, but at least for those two, excited. Speaking of excitement, KJ Appa has landed a superhero role. So he's not just, you know, jack of all trades, Archie Andrews on Riverdale. Uh, he'll be one half of the Wonder Twins in an HBO Max comedy. Um, he'll play Zan, who is a shapeshifter. And opposite him will be uh, 1883's Isabel May, who will play Jaina, and she transforms into animals. I'm excited, y'all. I tell you, Archie Andrews really meant it when he said he wanted to be a superhero. Uh, it's um, when I—I I have to say, when I read this, I was kind of really excited for it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's an, an out of left field casting choice. I didn't expect this when uh, the Wonder Twins was announced. But like, if we're going DC movies here, I'm very excited for this. I already was get the DC movie, but like, 
That's a really interesting casting choice. I'm, I, we, we know how much fans of KJ we are and we, we're all Archie fans as much as we criticize him. But um, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing what he adds to this kind of role, especially that it's a comedy. The project itself has so much potential. The fact that it doesn't, it does, it's like of all the DC characters you could create a movie for the wonder twins might not be at the top they have more of like a tv kind of quality about them that they would thrive in a tv series so the fact that we've got a movie coming out and these two particular casting choices really caught me off guard but i'm very excited about it wait you said it's a comedy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i had no idea that's a perfect fit for kj a superhero comedy like come on it's gonna be fun yeah because those two the twins are ridiculous (laughs) I've been waiting for KJ to do something in comedy because like, if you just watch his Instagram, that man is <laughs> dying to make <laughs> us laugh. <laughs> uh, it's exciting. I can't wait to laugh. Actually. I know it's going to be good. They're like, you haven't seen footage. You haven't seen costumes. I don't need to see it. I already know it's going to be amazing. I'm just so excited for it. Sam. Do we think it's KJ kind of plotting his post Riverdale move? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. Sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the cast members, we didn't know what the future holds for them. I feel like he was the one that could have stuck around had they gone past season seven. I think this might be the confirmation that he won't because this is a huge project, just the yeah, DC label being on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, especially it's, it's funny that it's, he may move from one comedy or a comic program to another, but uh, this is a DC movie. Like this has got all the makings of a huge hit and, I could see this is the this is the next step after being a veteran TV star. This is the next step for him. And I could see this like maybe being the final nail in the coffin for Riverdale. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I love how our journey with Riverdale went too. It's amazing to y'all we need to end and end well. <laughs> we say it out of love though. We care yes, about we it do. so much we that we just we want everybody to, you know, peacefully, as Serena would say, lay the flowers down and move on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think like it's time. <laughs> it just is. We'll explain when we get to the what we're watching section, but it's time. It's time. Um speaking of it being time, Bruce Wayne once again will rise on the CW in Gotham Knights. Not that that's like the worst kept secret, but I know that there was some like uh, behind the scenes, like exploration of of the uh, what are they called the trailers, and mm-hmm. one of them was marking ahead Bruce Wayne's name, and I was like, that's not surprising to me. It's called Gotham Knights, and the lead character is his adoptive son. But you know, I guess it's good to have confirmation. It's a great headline grabber, isn't it, Bruce Wayne to appear in Gotham Knights? And like uh, for those first couple of seconds, you're like this is huge, and then you stop and think about it, and you're like, wait, that was totally obvious. Um, Bruce Wayne is going to die in Gotham Knights. It's, I hate to say that as a comic book fan. So either we're going to get flashback sequences, he's going to be some uh, moody shadow in the corner. I don't think this means we're going to get a, a, like a proper casting for Bruce Wayne. I remember when uh, Titan season four was filming, everyone went crazy or Titan season three, excuse me. There was a trailer for the Joker 
and everyone's like the Joker's going to appear in Titan season three and all we got was a stand in the back of the Joker battering Jason Todd with the crowbar as everyone would expect and you had the like gimmicky laugh over the top of it there's no 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 proof that it was the same actor doing the laugh that was doing the hitting so I, this could very much be the same situation here all you see is the back of someone's head as they get attacked by someone or uh, like it, it could be done very much off screen in a more tasteful kind of fashion but I don't expect Bruce Wayne to be a character in it otherwise we would have gotten a casting announcement like we got with Harvey Dent like we got with uh, Two-Face's daughter like we got with uh, um, the, the, the Robin that's been cast. They've made a big deal about every major casting we've had. I don't think we'll get a proper Bruce Wayne arc or kind of journey, at least in the first season, since there hasn't been any big deal. It's again, Bruce Wayne pairing in Gotham Knights, great headline. But when you stop and think about it, it was kind of obvious to begin with. That's true. That's true. I will say I'm still holding out for Jensen Ackles to make an appearance. We can hope. I know. Like, I'm going to be one of those people that's like, you're probably going to be like, Sabrina, let it go. And I'm like, not until the show goes off. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the CW news, which, you know, I think, not that it's not exciting to know all this stuff, but I always, for a second, I'm like, can I get renewal news? Can we, can we get that? Can we do that, CW? And it just seems like anytime there is news, it's not even really news from CW. It's, you know, someone predicting whether, like, which shows are going to go forward. Like, Deadline just put out, um, which shows are on the bubble in the CW section has us a little shook. Like, I'm not going to lie. I mean, 4400 is one of the most vulnerable. We knew that. Dynasty is one of the most vulnerable. We knew that. And yet, I don't like seeing it in print. No. <laughs> It hurts my heart. <laughs> I know. Just, I like, don't tell us that. But also, again, Dynasty fans, we're on the hashtag Renew Dynasty train. So hashtag Renew Dynasty everything on Twitter until you can get it trending. <laughs> yes, join us. It's, it's weird, though, to me because it feels like Dynasty has been, quote unquote, on the bubble since its first season. Like, it's never been a ratings grabber, but because of the international audience and Netflix and everything, it's managed to last until its fifth season and hopefully more. But it's so weird that this season, everyone, like all these like articles and predictions and everyone's like, oh, this could be it for Dynasty. And I'm like, I don't know what has changed. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like Mm -hmm. the ratings are stable-ish. They're low, but it's no different. I don't know why it's this season everyone's like, ready to throw dynasty away i'm like why are you counting it out when it's it's in its fifth season does anybody realize that (laughs) yeah and speaking as someone who's literally been watching it on netflix over the last couple of weeks thanks to that international deal in place it has been really popular on a worldwide basis. I, I, I don't. I think it's safe to say it was never a CW hit, but the show itself is a hit as far as it goes with fans. And apparently, I've seen that it, over the years it's ranked in Netflix's top ten quite regularly. It is a huge Netflix hit, regardless of whether it's a hit on the CW. And this kind of goes back to what me and Sabrina were talking about last week, and that if a show is a hit worldwide, one network shouldn't get to decide its fate. Only with that, only that network. More has to go into that, and maybe that's why Dynasty's taken so long to renew. I don't think CW has the only say here, but if they are making money off that lucrative Netflix deal, why would you scrap it? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's why I don't want to be scared for Dynasty because I mean, like we know that it is at least successful on streaming. Again, it may, and, um, it's lucrative. Why 
would we decide to cut off that bag? I mean, you could at least final season it and at least um, fans will be able to finish the story. It might not be the complete story that the writers wanted, but at least it wouldn't be like a cancellation and therefore Fallon's story doesn't get any type of ending. And to me, it's like, how desperately do you need that Friday at 9 p.m. time slot? Like, what other show are they going to put there? Like, mm-hmm. do you do, does the CW desperately need that time slot open? Like, what is Dynasty not doing that? Are you going to put Charmed there? Like, it's just going to drop Charmed's ratings lower. I don't know. It's just mind boggling to me. Like, I don't, I, I just don't know what to make of that. Because for the past few seasons, I've never been worried about Dynasty, even though the ratings are low and everyone's like, oh, Dynasty is going to be gone. It's like, she's still here. I don't know what to tell you. So I kind of, with all the, um, just having confidence in the CW, how they brought back all of their shows, I've never been concerned about it, which is, I guess, a luxury (laughs) (laughs) to like be confident in a really low rated show. But I, I don't, there's a disconnect for me. I don't understand why people are so it's, I don't know why they think it's in such huge danger right now. I don't either. Unless of course um, we are doing that thing where, we're focusing entirely on ratings and not looking at the streaming side, which given what Mark Pettowitz said when the first shows were renewed in which they were talking about their digital strategy, I think everyone needs to be looking at both live ratings and streaming and to see whether or not streaming is high enough where live ratings may not matter when it comes to renewal. I know that is sort of going to be the bread and butter for Batwoman and um, Legends of Tomorrow. Because from what the article, the deadline article was saying, Charmed and Legacy are at a better spot than 4400 and Dynasty. But CW is really looking at which shows they want to carry over from the Arrowverse. And I am going to say I disagree with the point in in the, the deadline article, which is that between Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow and Night Only, and again, they mentioned Gotham Knights, only half of those shows are going to make it to um, the 2022-2023 season. At least that's what they hear. And I'm like, really? It's so it's between. So basically what you're saying, it's going to be a veteran show and a new one. And obviously the new one's going to be Gotham Knights. So we're going to be trying to duke it out between Batman and Legends of Tomorrow and Naomi. That just doesn't seem like that's a good plan for the CW. Not to drag deadline though but do they know what half means (laughs) they listed four shows and said half so you really think only two are gonna happen i don't know guys yeah um i can't see there we're we're very positive people we're trying to champion every show on this network but i cannot see anyone looking at the lineup of the cw shows and thinking, oh, I know a DC TV show has to go because even the lowest is still like quite high above some of the other shows on the network. Why does it have to be a battle between genre when this network has single-handedly built itself up over the last five, six, seven years as a superhero network? It shouldn't have to choose between what superhero shows it wants. Let's be honest, it can have all of them. It still can have all of them. They're all still solid performers. I will say Naomi is maybe most at risk, but then the thing working in its favor is that it's produced by Eva DuVernay, who I don't think they'll want to drop just yet. So I could see it getting a second chance, which may then put one of the other shows in jeopardy. But at the same time, those shows have established audiences, established viewership, and a massive, massive established fan base online. Very few shows on that network can generate the buzz that either one of Legends or Batwoman can. So to turn your back on them at this stage and this like era of flux you're in at the moment when you're trying to figure out what the future looks like for this TV network, 
would be a silly, silly, no, a stupid idea. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I agree. I mean, like when it comes to like shows, especially the shows that you love, you do get a little testy, um, especially when trying to discuss what shows will stay and which shows um, won't. And when you're thinking about, the, in this case, the future of the CW, it's like, why would you turn your back on shows that you know are going to draw in an audience, a stable audience of viewers who talk about the show all the time online. Um, and that therefore like has entertainment writers like us writing about the shows all the time, especially those of us who are fans of the show. And when I think about the pilots, okay, so if we, if some of these shows go, the pilots are going to be the ones that are put into this, to the roster um, instead of them. They still have audiences, even with them being spinoffs or, you know, IP that's very popular, that doesn't necessarily mean that the shows themselves would do well. So how much, how much risk does the, whatever um, station, if it's Nexstar, decides to buy CW, how much risk are they willing to have with a schedule by like tossing away shows that do well, just need better promo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, because they would risk canceling established shows to bet on these three pilots that they don't know how they're going to perform. So then you dump a show with an established fan base and streaming uh, presence for three shows that might not hit. I don't know. And I think the CW, more so than any network right now, has a very um, stable foundation of veteran shows. like. Mm-hmm because they've bet on their shows and kept them around and doing their renewals all at once and everything. And other networks just haven't been able to keep a lot of shows around for a very long time. There's like the handful, but a lot of new shows don't make it historically. And, but the CW has managed to be like, no, we're riding out these, this core of group of shows and it would be really difficult to see them cancel any of the shows that we've just talked about. I mean, besides 4,400, not to drag them, but it's a new show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree because, um, and I don't feel like this is a dragging. It's just the obvious statement. It's the new show um, besides Naomi and Naomi at least has Ava DuVernay and is a DCIP. Um, 4,400 is a reboot. Uh, but I don't know how well the original did. Um, I don't remember it, but that doesn't mean anything. Just because you don't remember something doesn't mean other people don't. Yeah. But, um, I don't remember seeing any of the OG 4,400 fans riding for this new show. Um, it feels like the renewed 4,400 fervor has diminished, even though they should still be in the fight. Um, so when I think of which show... CW would likely cut its losses with, it would be that one because it's not established. It's not an IP that a good portion of people are, are um, invested in. Um, and it's not a veteran. So I don't know. And I mean, Deadline did mention that um, Mark Pedowitz does like to final season his veteran shows with the caveat that he that the, the network itself may not get to make that decision. But you know what? Nobody knows. And nobody actually knows who CW is getting sold to. Reading good. There's something <laughs> happening outside. And there was a noise that shook me. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it should be like, what's happening? Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So when it comes to like 
the sale, we don't know anything. None of the um, the uh, entertainment sites know anything. <laughs> we don't like. We know that Nexstar is the front runner. We have no idea who else might be um, in the running, even if they aren't the front runner. We don't know what Nexstar's plans are. If they do get the network, we don't know what Warner Media um, and uh, Paramount are going to do if they divest of majority ownership, but still want to um, produce shows for. So, you know what? It's a big old question mark, which is why I kind of just want to be like, it's 4,400, maybe one more show, which might get platformed on um, uh, HBO Max or something. I think if, if they're going to do that to one of the Arrowverse shows, it would be Naomi because mm-hmm. uh, it's new and it would work for that show. Yeah, it definitely has the like, it has the, it has the like glossy look that you'd expect from a streaming show. It looks like it's a bigger budget, a more condensed episode kind. It definitely looks like it would thrive maybe more on HBO Max than it would on the CW. So I hope, I hope it performs well when it eventually goes there. But that would, that's scope to think about for whether, whether a second season would be a better fit for there. Um, and not to drag the article one more time, but that seems to be the theme we're going for. Um, the thing that stood out for me, and I do have to laugh at this because, again, we have to defend ourselves and say we are Riverdale fans. But uh, Riverdale and Dynasty to me have already been have, are kind of in the same boat here. And like I, I do ha- I have, to have to laugh because like a season and a half into Dynasty and I'm like, bye, Riverdale. Um, but uh they're both in the same boat because they're not performing very well on the night, but they're both veteran shows, but they've both Netflix deals, which uh, make them perform very well worldwide. And that article said that the, the network renewed its strongest performers and threw Riverdale in there, which after three episodes, not 0.1 million something, uh, which was not good, uh, not good numbers. Uh, but Dynasty, which was performing better than Riverdale on a number of weeks, which also has his Netflix deal, as being classed as being on the bubble and perhaps at risk, that 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 doesn't make sense to me. Because yes, I do get the fact that yes, Riverdale ha- is bigger worldwide. It's still got the safety net of that deal that Dynasty has too. Riverdale is not performing well anymore on the CW. It's not one of the network's biggest performers. And if you look at the the weekly list of its top ten performers or top twelve, however many are on it during the week, Riverdale is constantly either bottom or second from bottom. And the one joining it there is Dynasty, the other Netflix show. So if those de- if that deal has kept Dynasty safe or Riverdale safe for this long and has also kept Dynasty safe for this long, why wouldn't it continue to do so? If Netflix is willing to pay the money again, again for another year, the CW should not turn around and say, no, we're not going to take that deal and we're going to take a risk on a new show that won't perform well on Friday nights. That's not good business. So that to me is why Dynasty deserves and why it should probably be safe for another season. There it is. Love that. Love that. That was a whole moment. And it still was so much truth. <laughs> like, I know. Very much facts. Because like, so like Riverdale performs well. That's why we kept it. But Dynasty does not. And that's why we're not keeping it. It's like hypocrisy. <laughs> I think people are mistaking visibility for like performance just because Riverdale was really popular. Right. Mm-hmm. And the cast members got so famous and people still talk about the show mostly because the cast is so famous and it's really visible that show dynasty is probably on par performance wise streaming and maybe now live ratings, but because none of the cast, I mean, Liz is really popular, but like they're not like KJ, Lily, Cole, Cammy, like fame, like that's, they're enormous. And I think it's a mistake to <laughs> say Riverdale such a strong performer. It's like, you no, know, it's just really visible. Like people mm-hmm. just talk about it more. 
and that doesn't mean anything in the long run. No, and okay. See, you mentioned that core, like Riverdale group, and they're that popular because that they got such a huge promotional push that Dynasty did not see. If Dynasty had gotten the same push, we, you know, we could be living in an era where we're talking about the Dynasty stars being just as big as them. Granted, Riverdale hit at just the right moment of like, there's a hole in teen television. Who's going to fill it? Like this Archie Comics, dark, gritty version with serial killers and pretty people like running around a small town. And it just, you know, it's perfect. Um, But if Dynasty is performing well and is performing even better numbers than Riverdale, renew um, Dynasty. Like, let's not play the game of Riverdale's doing well. The Dynasty's not when the numbers are not saying but you're saying that but the numbers do not agree it don't add up so yes let's just end this rant with hashtag the new dynasty <laughs> exactly exactly okay so now moving into what we're watching which um perhaps i overlooked it in the article but i don't remember them saying anything about all american homecoming so perhaps it's not on the bubble and it's doing well and there's an expectation that the show Will be renewed if so i'm gonna be the happiest little clam um i love this show it's the right amount of like college drama um coming of age with a sprinkle of messiness um and this week's episode well not yeah this week's episode um was fantastic and you know what as someone who ships damon and simone i was excited but i was also like Jordan and Simone, I like them too. And why is Simone out here flying to Chicago um, to go help Damon get some answers from his father, who unfortunately is suffering from um, early onset Alzheimer's, um, when she's supposed to have a date with Jordan? What are we doing, girl? Like, where where is the decision making? Also, why do we have frequent flyer miles? Frequent flyer miles from where? How you? I don't remember you flying that much. Yeah, but okay. a college freshman with frequent flyer miles i love it i know i mean it's so great i mean i know they do that in teen shows all the time but every time they do it i'm like why (laughs) but um i think the one great storyline they've been doing on all american is damon sort of trying to figure out who his uh birth parents are and they've touched on very different elements for a storyline like that uh with him looking for answers, but also trying to find uh, completeness in himself with the family that he was raised with, but also knowing even when there's the nurture versus nature argument, uh, for those who do know about their family, it's a little easier to navigate coming of age because you have touchstones. And it's not that he doesn't have a t- touchstone to his parents, it's just there's so many unanswered questions. And I've really enjoyed that aspect of his uh his character and the development that's come from it, especially in a show that's supposed to be a sports drama. We spend a lot of time growing these kids up. And I think that's fantastic. And it's also probably because, you know, we're not quite at the season for, for baseball and tennis. Um, I think, you know, I'm not really a sports person, but I'm going to say, I think, um, but also there's drama with Amara when it comes to someone who was, attacking her credibility um, as not only a journalist, but also a a professor of journalism at the school and seems to have a vendetta against her, which it might be the former baseball coach who is mad at her because she exposed that he was allowing 
the his baseball players to take a fake class. Like so they were attending class, but they it wasn't one that was rigorous. It, they were just supposed to sign up for it and then the the um, instructor would just pass them. They didn't have to do any work for it. Um, it is it is just filled their schedule so they could focus on baseball and keep their GPAs up, which sir, you're failing the children. And that is why you got fired. Um, what else? I like Cam and Keisha a lot. I think one of the things that they do well on this show is that actions have consequences. Even when you have to take a step back from a relationship because you have your own trauma to work through, which Keisha does. She has not abandonment issues, but she lost her mother young. And so she has a hard time being open emotionally because of it. And she told Cam that. And their friendship has grown because of it, but their romance has been put on the back burner. And she's been helping him find himself outside of football because he can sing. And now he's joined the acapella group. And um, But just because they've connected that way doesn't mean he's not still looking for connection romantically. And he might have found it in someone outside of her, even though Keisha might possibly be ready to be in a relationship with him. But that is how life is. And I love that they've done that with these I guess, older teens as they're moving through into their young adulthood. I have to say what I love about All-American Homecoming is that even though we've seen these stories told in shows like this before, like adoption storylines or like Mm -hmm. love triangles or whatever's going on at school, we've seen them before, but we haven't really seen them told in this way with these kinds of characters. And I think it's really special how they make it unique and compelling, even though like, oh, we can predict like what might happen with a, I'm searching for my birth parent storyline. Mm-hmm. I think the way they do it is so special and um, different to this specific story they're telling with these characters. So I really appreciate that with the show. I do too. Um, I think majorly it is because they're taking their time telling these stories and not like in the way to drag the flash a little bit, not like in the way that like, you know, we have one scene about what's supposed to be a season long arc and then we forget it for 45 minutes and then come back to it um, to have another scene for that, for that storyline. I wonder um, what storyline that is. <laughs> oh, you know, Michael, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't possibly know. Mm-mm, I know. I've just been so subtle <laughs> about it. Um, but with All American Homecoming, there's been a lot of build in, even with having an ensemble cast, they're really, really good at balancing all the storylines, even with JR, you know, he left baseball because of his parents. Now he wants to get back to baseball and his teammates were like, no, (laughs) like you have to be open with us about what happened because you don't get to just leave us and then come back because you're ready to come back. Again, if you want to watch a show that'll give you the life lessons that people need to, you know, see and learn from it's all american homecoming i feel like i've watched a lot of teen television over the years and they're different because they take their time it's, there's messiness in it but it's not shock value messiness it's not um so much focused on love triangles that you don't see the other aspects of the characters lives and i think that's what makes it such a great show on the cw and spinoff for the all-american franchise yeah, they keep things moving, but they let it breathe. And I think that's a really important balance that not a lot of shows can do. 
I know. I know. And this is how we're going to transition into The Flash, because one show that cannot do it is The Flash. But you know what, Michael? I'm sure you have positives. So I'm going to let you start. I was going to say, y'all set me up with that one, because this is the one week I have good things to say about it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I've... I'm in two minds about it, but I'm going to keep it short because I don't want to uh, desecrate the positivity that I have here. (laughs) But um, uh, on one hand, hand, I did love the episode. We didn't talk about it last week, but I did mention that I loved the episode, which was episode 11, I believe, um, where uh, Caitlin was trying to save Ronnie. And it turns out in the end that she was wrong. It wasn't Ronnie. The issue with it was the team flash was all like, yeah, let's kill Ronnie Law, let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a plot device. And um, I don't think Barry would have been so yeah, such so dead set on let's kill him, but he had to reach that decision within 40 minutes. But again, the conventions of television will let it slide. But anyway, it was nice to see Caitlin get a starring role that actually wasn't stupid. It was actually a really serious one, tied to her character. She made some logical decisions. She made some illogical decisions that were driven by love. So that was totally understandable. Her and Frost actually working together instead of working against each other was a nice twist. Um, Frost standing in 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 a crime scene at the end and being able to do something and not getting blown away by a nearby explosion that had nothing to do with her was nice to say. Every character felt like they were behaving in character, except maybe Barry and the Team Flash people who was like, let's kill Ronnie. But um, all in all, that's episode to me. And maybe it's music, maybe it's the Firestorm music, but all in all, that episode felt very like season one to me. And that is a positive. If I'm doing ups and downs here, I didn't expect to give the Caitlin half of the episode the up because that character has been used in some measly storylines recently, some some really bad storylines. But that hit all the beats it was supposed to. That was a great storyline and it made me quite emotional because I love the Caitlin and Ronnie arc in season one. And I feel like Caitlin's been lost for a storyline for the last seven years. So it was so nice to see her have something to do. So yeah, tech box for me. That's great. My issue with the episode came from the Iris end of it. And I did not want to say that because you know how I feel about Iris. She's my other favorite character on the show. But again, the whole cutting back to her time sickness thing, you have to stay here, but never fully explaining why you have to stay here. The Let's wipe you out of existence halfway through the episode, but like give the rest of the cast 30 minutes before they tell Barry about it because he's busy in a different arc. Um, the whole... I'm just over the whole time sickness thing. I've wanted it to go somewhere for so long and they've just danced around it. So I'm glad it only had two or three scenes in this episode because it's just what they're doing with it is so bad. And I want it more for for Iris than that. I want it more for the storyline for that. If it was the leading story of the season, if it had given them more attention, that would have been great. Maybe I would have been more invested, but it's getting hard to get invested because it keeps getting treated like a background story. But I know you'll have more thoughts on that. So I'm going to leave that one to you. All in all, I really like the episode. I'm glad it went down the Firestorm route. Can I just say the Deathstorm looks terrifying and it's one of the better CGI villains they've got gone for. The fact that Robbie Amell will now be playing a villainous version of the character when he comes back, but they're probably going to use the CGI one for a couple of episodes because he's not contracted for that many episodes. Um, either way, Deathstorm tied to a main character. 
exquisite. I hope this is good. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm very excited about the story and I'm very excited about the flash. I don't mind that we're not going to see the time sickness story for the next few episodes because I'm over it now. They, they, as far as I'm concerned, they failed with it. I hope they do better because Iris deserves better. I'm not saying that as an Iris hater. I'm saying that as an Iris fan. She deserves better than the story. There's so much more they could have done with her and it's getting bland because that cliffhanger they had that where she did the full on Thanos and snapped the woman out of existence was really exciting no follow-up what was the point <laughs> um but uh, let's just say the caitlin stuff brilliant uh, the ronnie stuff brilliant the frost stuff brilliant that if that was just on its own in the episode i would have given it a nine but because i have mixed thoughts i'll take the score down to an eight but it was what that's my favorite episode of the flash since the mid-season premiere so the fact they were able to do that's impressive so I'll, I'll give them the win and i'm going to stop ranting and let you do it instead <laughs> Okay. Um, you know what, Michael, we actually are on the same page uh, yes. for everything. Um, I, too, would actually give the episode a nine if they had cut the Iris pieces out. Had it just, if they had just let it be a Caitlin episode, mm-hmm. it would have been one of the better episodes of the season because they did not do that. And I'm assuming it's because, you know, they, they let uh, Iris have a Thanos moment and then he needed to get back to it, but also wanted to focus on Caitlin. They decided to pigeonhole her into an episode that clearly didn't need her. And it didn't need her because they needed to put all their focus on central city. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought the elements, I thought it was, why does it seem like they can only really do well with Caitlin romantically when they bring up Ronnie, mm-hmm. anybody else, it's not that great. But when, um, when it's her and him, it's fantastic. And while I didn't like the shots they were taking at West Allen in terms of like, if it was Iris, um, you would understand. Um, I did like all the character development um, that they did with her, the character exploration, the look back into her past with Bonnie. Um, I even loved when she had to break up with Marcus, but she wouldn't break up with Marcus. And he had to like, I know you're breaking up with me. Just mm-hmm. say it. The fact that that man quoted Plato to her and, and then went, basically was like get some healing <laughs> like, that was so funny i was like i know this is i mean it was great acting from the actor but he was also like i don't quite believe that your husband was resurrected yeah so what you need is therapy but i'm gonna say it very very nicely <laughs> so you can get some therapy um i like that snow was on caitlin's side i you know like the um allegra and chester bits i thought the conversation um, about what knowledge should be out there and what knowledge shouldn't be was amazing for them too. Um, I even kind of felt a little bit of the spark. I was like, okay, I can see it. I don't want to see it all the time, but for here, it was good. Um, but as far as Iris, Michael didn't feel like she was just there to get yelled at and then disappear. Because that's yeah. what it felt like. That's totally it. It's felt like, oh dear, we've contracted Candace Patton for so many episodes and we have to write her out of four. How can we stick her into this one? And like, well, if you didn't want to write her out of four, you wouldn't be in this issue, would you? But the problem is, is they don't know what to do with the character because it's supposed to be the main story and they're not treating it like the main story. So they're constantly writing her into the background, writing her out. In this episode, they've apparently written her out of existence. I'm like, what do you want to do with Iris? Um, I'm, sit- I'm tired. Know. Exactly. I'm tired of ranting about it because... I'm also tired of saying the characters deserve so much better. It's just like we've been here before. 
Um, I want to focus on the positives because that was personally for me, that episode pulled on the emotional cords in a way that very few episodes of The Flash has. I will hold on to it because it reminded me of what the show was like for season one. But that doesn't mean that there weren't a lot of season eight like issues in it. And all of them revolved around Iris. It did. And I just don't understand if you tell us that her time sickness is supposed to be the the through line for season eight, I expect it to be the through line for season eight. Um, she literally, like, they didn't even really do much with, with what happened um, with Tanya. It was all big emotion. Tanya, of course, you know, after her mom gets snapped out of existence, would she slow down to sort of recognize what's going on with Iris? No, that's totally understandable. She's also adolescent and that frontal lobe is not fully fused. And so she was not <laughs> slowing down um, to, to even ask any questions. She just decides to grab her and disappear. I think the only aspect of that, not Tanya disappearing her, but the only aspect of the Iris parts of the, the episode that I liked was that Sue was ready to like, martial arts her way through like um, making Tanya back off from Iris. It's very rare to see someone besides Barry or Joe ready to throw down in order to protect Iris. I have to say, that's my favorite thing about this story because it's kind of felt like it's just been stuck in the last few episodes and there's only a moment of brilliance like Iris recounting her relationship with her mother. That was fantastic. But the one thing they've gotten right throughout this very confusing arc, the one thing they've got right is the Iris and Sue friendship. That kind of came out of nowhere, but I really, really like it and I hope it carries through. So do I. Oh, by the way, Reed, just to give you some context to what happened with Iris. So she's freaking out. Sue decides to grab the phone to call Barry. The phone disintegrates so she can't call call Barry and Sue and, and Barry aren't close enough for her to have his number in her own cell phone um so so when Iris gets disappeared she's got to go back to Central City to knock on his door to let him know that his wife is gone mind you that's in the last one minute of the show like two minutes I don't know in the last um few minutes of the show so like all they have time for is for her to go Barry Iris is gone. And for Grant to have a moment of shock and horror, end. <laughs> that was it. That's the whole, like, he didn't know that his wife was going through all that in Coast City. He spent the entire episode worried about something else, only for them to reinsert some care for his wife into the end of the episode. When I tell you it feels like these two aren't married <laughs> right now, it's because of writing choices like this. Though he did try yeah. to call her. So. Hearing about this show out of context is wild because every time you guys talk about it, it sounds like four different shows. <laughs> like is. I can't like grasp what the tone is. And also there's always like, and there's another character that I've never heard of. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of Sue. I don't know who that is. And um, what was I going to I was going to say something else. It, oh, and it sounds like you guys barely talk about the lead of the show. It sounds like he's not in the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, you know what? The Flash fans would be applauding you right now because that is the main discourse on Twitter right now. It's that it's called The Flash, but it's more like Team Flash featuring Barry Allen. I don't think, and Michael maybe be able to speak to this better, I don't think Barry has a storyline this season at all. Mm. That's actually an excellent point. I never thought of it like that, but I do agree with Sabrina. That's an excellent perception read. It's literally what everybody thinks about the show. It's that we're getting tired of, 
Barry is front and center all the time, but Barry is not doing anything in relation to Barry. It's always about somebody else. And we've seen on these shows over the previous seasons, I think Supergirl's final season was a big, it made that mistake when the arc is not respective to the main character. Why are we watching it through their eyes? It just doesn't make sense. But that's not to say we don't want to watch it through his eyes. It's just that Barry needs more to do. Um, And yes, I would agree. There's too much team flash. There's too much. What does this character think about? I do not care. It's just, there's just too much of these characters, these new characters that were introduced are fun, but they're starting to be treated like main characters at the expense of the show. I do appreciate that they've started focusing on the original supporting characters by giving Caitlin and Iris their own arcs throughout. But we would, it would be nice if every once in a while we actually saw what Barry thought of the situation instead of being pointed in this direction or like, let's kill Rana, let's stop Frost from doing that. Just these are decisions I don't feel like he would be making. And he just comes across as fed up in every episode because the story's not about him. And it could do with being about him. But unfortunately, again, I do not want to end my positive rant on a negative. But that poster that was just released, slightly impressive artwork as it is, does not fill me full of confidence for the direction of the show because it feels like we're going more in the team flash direction. And that's not what the show needs right now. It's not. It's not. But okay, to end on a positive. Yes, um, I would say if we were to rank the episodes outside of... Um, outside of the Armageddon crossover for season eight. Um, as far as uh, if we would ignore the Iris stuff, it's probably for me the second out of the mid-season premiere. And that's even me loving the storyline um, with Iris being in Coast City, the, the, the storyline they set up in, in that one episode. Um, I think writing-wise, this is the better episode as far as um, uh all the way through with exception to the iris bits so it would be number two for me which is funny because you know i don't really caitlin and i and kelly frost and i we don't see for each other but i do like the story that they told for her um in this episode so it's number two for me Uh, yeah that's a nice way to end it and i I would agree i might personally because of how much i love season one maybe pump that into my favorite episode since it came back because the writing for caitlin was so strong and it hasn't been in recent weeks so yeah, I, I feel like top two for both of us. That's 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 a solid episode, all in all. Mm-hmm. Yay, so Flash! Yay, Flash! <laughs> Yay, Flash! That's the positive note we need to take end. the wins where you can get them. <laughs> you know, that's what we're gonna do this season. Just smile we got through it. it. Yes. Um, speaking of smile through things, so you know, Reed, I feel like you and I are like here when it comes to Riverdale at this point because. Just so we're 100 with you guys, Reed and I are behind and Michael's the only one who is, <laughs> is caught up on Riverdale. You say that like it's something to be proud of. I caught up last night and tried to shoehorn it in last minute. Um, yeah, what do you guys think with where you're at? I don't want to talk all about it because I've seen more stuff that you haven't and I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. So where you were at, where are your thoughts? I'm trying to remember where I am at. Did we miss two episodes? No, I'm caught up. I'm caught up up to Folk Hero. Is that what the episode's called? No? Is that the boxing one? (laughs) Yeah, the the boxing boxing one. (laughs) I have not seen the the latest. After um, Cheryl becomes Cheryl again, I think is what happened. Oh, okay. So I'm two episodes behind then. Lord. Oh, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't care at this point. It feels like even if you spoil Riverdale, you um, 
without the right context, you're still going to be lost. So <laughs> this yeah. is very true. <laughs> um, you guys said last time we talked about it that you didn't really care for the town stuff. And it's funny. It feels like that kind of woke me up because I didn't realize what the show was doing until I, until you said that. And I just watched the two most recent episodes and it's all about the town stuff. And I'm like, do we really need to do this again? <laughs> um, it's the same old, same old, we got to do this for the town. This guy who nobody cares about, Percival Pickens, is going to manipulate every single person. And yeah, they can get away with it this time because he has manipulation powers or something like that, apparently. So yeah, they can get away with it this time. But I'm like, are we really supposed to pretend that we haven't watched Alice be pointed in this direction by some crazy overbearing villain for the last six seasons or we haven't watched uncle frank maybe mumble his way through one or two lines saying the opposite of whatever characters need to think why were those two characters selected to be on the council when they're going to do the same thing every episode every season which is just be a mindless obstacle for the main characters archie says let's do this alice says let's not and rinse and repeat episode after episode after episode and yes, again, they can get away with it this time because Percival can manipulate them into thinking that way. But I mean, Alice has done that since season one. She did it with Edgar Evernever. She did it with Hiram Lodge. She's done it with everyone under the sun. And it's just, I feel like we've been here before and throwing in this let's hold, let's say of the time arc when the characters are behaving the exact same as they did beforehand. It just feels like we're going around in circles. Three things. First thing, it's just not interesting. This mm-hmm. is not the story we should be telling in the sixth season. Like you, they tried to reinvent the show and they did to some extent successfully, but this is just like coasting. I don't, it's bare minimum. Second thing, why are the town meetings in that crusty gym? <laughs> well, like, did they, could they not like build a better set or, I know that didn't they have like a town hall center thing anyway, beside the mm-hmm. point, it just really grinds my gears. Every time they sit at those tables with that nasty boxing ring behind them, I'm like, what? No one could spring for a better venue for these. Anyway. Also last thing they need to chill out with Alice. She's been through a lot. Like, did we not remember that her daughter died? Like, mm-hmm. can we like, send her to like Cabo for a vacation for a week. Like poor thing. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they never let Alice sit down and, um, and the few times they do, she's in mourning. That's the only time that she's allowed to like unpack her feelings or feel anything. Yeah. Besides... She's either girl bossing or she's just like depressed. That's like, mm-hmm. yes. There's that's no middle. <laughs> and as someone who loved her girl bossing in season one, I'm so tired of it now because usually it's just used as a plot device to become an obstacle for somebody else. It's just like over and over again. In season one, she had this whole like reserved housewife, like I'm not going, I'm not, I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't care about you. And then you explored that and you saw why she was like that. And I was like, yes, queen, we love Alice. But ever since season two started, they've just rinsed and repeat the same, same whole story arc for her over and over again. I feel like that character is dripping in potential and not a single drop of it has been explored since season one. No, no, not at all, which is unfortunate because I feel like, if we understood Alice better, we'd probably understand Betty more. Every time they want us to like look into the prism of Betty's life, Alice is an obstacle. And then all the men are an influence. And that's 
a little weird because, you know, growing up in a household with a woman who's got like abandonment issues um, and who repressed herself for the sake of men, you think that we explore down the rabbit hole a bit more with those two. I mean, they did it um, when they did the musical episode after Polly died. Uh, and um, but he was like, see me, I'm here. Like you keep focusing mm-hmm. on those two, but you don't focus on me. I was like, let's spend a little bit more time on that. Betty doesn't feel seen. That explains a lot about her need to rush into danger. Because if she can't be seen, at least she can be useful. Um, but not that this is a show that does deep character exploration. I would just like them to do it a little bit more with more people than Jughead. Um, mm-hmm. And questions, since you guys are, are ahead of me in the episodes, has uh, Veronica touched a storyline that doesn't involve Reggie or the mm-hmm. casino or her say, father's legacy? I was going to say, you had me up until you mentioned Reggie. I was like, no, no. Um, uh, there is potential in the most recent episode for a storyline that doesn't involve Reggie, but I have issues with the way it was written, which is basically Riverdale in a nutshell, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this episode has, this episode, I'm trying to think since I watched them both together that I don't overlap. Yeah, no, this episode had potential. I think maybe was the better of the two. But my issue with it is that you can see the writing at hand. I know exactly what uh, direction the story is going to take before it's happened. Um, And no, I don't have Jughead's powers of reading minds. I just, I know where it's going. And every time they're like, here comes the obstacle. The obstacle comes. We're being set up for victory. Watch them lose. They lose. Um. It's just, it's, it's such, so annoying for a show that prides itself on being so off the wall on such a thematic level. It's writing is very surface layer and that you know what's coming next. And I think that lets it down because it claims to be one thing. It looks like one thing. And then writing wise is the complete opposite. And there's so much potential in these stories. And yet none of it is realized. It's just the same old, same old. And you can probably quote me saying same old, same old about 10 times, but that's what it feels like watching the show because I don't want to sound like one of those people who jumps jumps on a soapbox and criticizes it for no reason. This show had potential in season one. It probably still had some remnants of potential in season four, five, but it just constantly misses the boat with it. I think one of the things that fans loved about this show, even when it's at its craziest is that the characters are really interesting and they did a lot of really great character work. I feel like not to give it too much credit, but you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. but now it's like so plot driven that the characters are just kind of there and it's hard to do character work when for five episodes of your season, nobody knew what the characters were, who they were, what they were doing, if they were dead or alive or whatever was happening in Rivervale. And it's just kind of that sense of like, the characters are very 2d has carried over in season the rest of season six. And it's just hard to find something to latch onto when there's a character that has a spirit in her body. And then there's three characters that have these superpower. I don't know. It's hard to connect with this season. I feel like it just feels like things are happening around them and they're reacting to that instead of like, how they feel and what they're doing is influencing what's happening around them. Okay. I get that. I wish that um, that were not the case or Riverdale is always doing the most at all times, but perhaps with this season, they've 
I can't really say jump the shark with this show because they jumped the shark like five times in one season. But like the there is such a thing that even a crazy show can be juggling too many things. Um, and that might be what is happening in season six, which is a bummer because it's not only the season with Archie in it, um, like in a more explored way, it's also a season with superpowers. And you know, me and Michael, that's our bread and butter. We love mm-hmm. superpowers. And how are you ruining the season that has superpowers in it? That's it. It feels they finally opened that can of worms that we've been waiting on them to for so long. They've taken the brave dive, and just like with the time jump, everything's the same a few episodes in. It just it means nothing because none of these out of the box creative off the wall decisions carry any stakes because like by the end of the episode, the status quo is back in play. The villains ruling the roost. Everybody's worried, but not for the same things. And in the follow-up episode, they're worried about something different. Nothing seems to carry over. And to go back to the whole time thing before we wrap up, that w- that's why maybe Riverdale's time jump would have worked better as a movie. I remember call- someone calling the time jump episode Riverdale the movie, and that's very much what it felt like. It felt like there had been new life breathed into it. And that, to me, the time, we're saving the time would have been a great storyline to bring people back. But it wasn't wrapped up at the end of the season. There was a major villain responsible for that. That major villain is no longer in play, so let's just replace him with a different suit-wearing villain who wants the similar things, but in a different method. But we still haven't saved the town yet. The show was on its last legs and it's killing the story by repeating it over and over again. Whereas if you brought the characters back for a standalone movie, let's save the town in two hours, let them save the town and then go back to their lives, it would have worked. But it's just hard to believe these characters would still be stuck here because they are not saving this town. They had bigger, better lives elsewhere and they're still stuck here in the same circles they were were stuck in when they were teenagers. And it just feels like nothing's changed. Exactly. And I think they forgot like what grounded their show. It's wild, ambitious show. What grounded it was these characters and their relationships. And I think they're like, oh, we can ground it in the story of this town and this community. It's like, no, we didn't come here for that. (laughs) That's never been the heart of the show is the town because it's always been this CD dark place, but we root for the characters and they want us to root for this town. It's like, I Sorry, I'm just not here. I'm not, we're not on the same page, Roberto. We're not. And this is exactly why we're cool with season seven being the end. They didn't announce that it's the end, but it needs to be the end. I think 13 episodes in and out. Let's wrap it up, put a bow on it and watch KJ and the Wonder Twins. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You said it perfectly. (laughs) Well, nothing I could say could top that. Let's just go roll with that. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, but one show that um, fans do not want to see, and, and you know, we were surprised by this, not because Legacies doesn't have a fan base, but because they came out uh, swinging in the Netflix light pole. I out know. Of, out of thin air. I know, and that's why they get this week's toast, because Legacy fans, like, my goodness, the way that you guys rally is mind blowing. Um, I don't even know what <laughs> what platforms you were on, but yeah. you were getting the troops together and you were making noise. And I guess you know what, you guys, we shouldn't have counted them out because didn't they top the TV line poll as well? Mm-hmm. That's right. I think the top four of that were well, our three shows: Legends, Batwoman, and Dynasty were the other three. But Legacies was leaving everyone else in the dust in the number one spot. So fair play to the Legacy fans. 
Yeah, our sincerest apologies for ever doubting you and (laughs) (laughs) being like, where are you guys? Because that's the thing about fandom is that you may not see it, but if you give them the platform and the, if you let them sit on that pedestal, they will show up and they will tell you about their favorite show and they will rally behind it. And they really did. If you guys aren't aware of what we're talking about, we did a poll on Netflix life. You can follow us on Twitter at Netflix life with two E's. We did a poll of what CW shows we want fans wanted to see renewed next. We did charms dynasty legacies and legends and legends had the lead. And we were like, Oh wow. Legends. They're proving us right all the time. And then out of nowhere, legacies showed up and was like, Nope, we're snatching that right away. And I think that's the win that they needed. I think so too. They snatched the microphone. They snatched the throne. They snatched the crown. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They very much were just like, I know Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman have been loud, but y'all haven't heard loud yet. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, as like an outsider, that's kind of fun to see <laughs> when they do that. Um, so uh, congratulations to you guys for winning the poll. Hashtag Renew Legacies. Uh, we hope that the show gets renewed and you guys have even more fun with these characters uh, that you love. So cheers. Yay, Legacies. Cheers, Legacies. Yes, cheers. Um, so that's it for us. Um, just a quick note to CW, renew our shows. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just, I prefer to do it before upfront. I mean, if that's possible, if you're listening, um, slide someone a dollar, whatever that meme is, <laughs> like, just renew our shows. Um, so that's it for us this week. We will catch up with you guys next Monday. We are the CW Spiral. Follow us on Twitter and YouTube. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, you guys.